Hi, I'm Toby. And I'm Nick. And welcome to the Pure Property Podcast from Track Capital, where we talk about all things property and property investment. The aim of the podcast is to give you our industry insight and knowledge to help investors to invest intelligently. Now, this week we have gone to the sales team and we've asked them what are the questions that they're getting asked or get asked in general uh, frequently from investors. Um, and we thought it'd be a good idea then to sort of cover an episode on that because they're obviously on a daily basis along with uh, Nick and myself speaking to investors. So it'll be good to, to answer some of these questions which uh, the listeners, uh, you guys out there, uh, may have as well. Um, just a general sort of catch up, Nick. Um, how, how's things going? Obviously, the Dubai market, I, I saw... After the uh, cityscape, um, reading all the reports, the press, and, and seeing what's going on there with, with uh, the transaction levels, it seems to have, uh, again, carried on going upwards, similar, maybe not on the same scale, but to the UK market. Is that what you're, what you're seeing on the ground there as well? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't put it down to one specific event, such as cityscape or, or expo, even though there's been a lot of hype around that. Um, I think we've touched on it before, but pretty much the conditions of the the market in terms of the pace, the level of transactions, the volume of uh, transactions being done. Uh, it's pretty much the same. It's just cruising. It's very, very hot. Uh, it's been as busy now, transaction-wise and value-wise, as um, back in 2013. So if you look at one thing I love about the Dubai market is that all the Dubai land department figures are available online. So they'll issue monthly reports, you know, how many off-plan sales, how many secondary market sales, what areas have gone up, how much have they gone up by. It's a lot more transparent and detailed and analytical, believe it or not, in comparison to the to the UK market. So we are seeing that continued growth. Um, as I say, all the numbers are very, very high. Lots of uh, attention from overseas at the moment, from all corners of the, the globe, you know, Far East, Europeans, out to the US and Canada as well. Um, it's, it truly is a global city. So, yeah, it's exciting. Um, I think the most, to put it in perspective, in terms of a, an actual growth rate, I was looking at uh, Bayut uh, figures the other day or a couple of days ago. Bayut's a property portal out here, similar to your Rightmove mm-hmm. or your Zillow, et cetera. Um, and they were showing apartments having rose by 15.05% on average across Dubai in the past 12 months based on the latest available data. So that gives you perspective. When you look at the UK, uh, the hottest at the moment is Liverpool. I think it's just over 10%, something like that, Toby. Yeah, Liverpool's currently sitting at 10.4%. Yeah, there you go. So, And that's exceptionally exceptionally hot for the UK. Um, and then if you look at Dubai, that's 15%. When you chuck in there, no tax and a decent rental yield. It's, uh, as we always say, a good, uh, a good opportunity. So, yeah, looking forward to asking these questions today. But, yeah, anything else to add on that, mate? Yeah, do you know what, actually, um, uh, the reason I asked that question as well is uh, yesterday, um, funnily enough, I had... Um, an interesting conversation with a Dubai um, investor slash purchaser um, who's based here in the UK. Um, and I was just, just talking to him saying, look, have you looked into Dubai before, et cetera, et cetera, going through the normal questions. And his response was, and this is firsthand sort of um, the benefits we're seeing of Cityscape and Expo and what the, the government's doing out there um, in Dubai. He said, oh, I was actually in Dubai last month. Um, and I, I believe it was for um, the Expo, actually. And he said, I really, really liked it, really enjoyed my time there. So now I'm looking to buy a, p- a place there. And he's, he's living in London. And he said, he said, 
I couldn't believe the prices for the similar properties in Dubai in comparison to what I, I, I get here in, in London. And I thought that was very interesting because that's something we've spoken about previously about why we believe the Dubai market's going to do so well, what the expo is doing is in bringing people across um, to Dubai, them staying there, seeing there and thinking, wow, I want a piece of that. So that was firsthand um, seeing uh, that happen, which I thought was really, really positive and interesting, actually. For a global city, you've got to remember it is still fundamentally undervalued. For, for the type of asset you can purchase here, you know, you're talking about a population of 3.3 million. Um, so it's it's a substantial size and the values just haven't caught up purely because it's just not as mature as the likes of, uh, you know, London, Hong Kong, Berlin, New York, etc. But, you know, in, in the years to come, um, you're, you're going to see those values continue to increase. Uh, even since, obviously, since I first came here in 2014, it's it's changed dramatically. The landscape's changed. So that investment poured in and those values and that population continues to rise. So, yeah, exciting stuff. And just as a side note, quickly finish off on this in terms of the Dubai stuff. We've, um, some of you will know, it was a few months back, I think about two, three months back, we started um, actively marketing the Dubai stock. Uh, although I've personally been involved in the market here, and we're really getting a good um, portfolio in, in terms of a range and uh, understanding what developers fit our business model. So I've been out most weeks meeting, you know, probably over 10 developers by now, face-to-face, looking at their sites, looking at their finished products, looking what they've done before, looking at their financials, et cetera. And I'm really pleased to, to bring on um, a few developers that I'm exceptionally confident in. One I really liked was one called Ellington. Um, they've got a couple of... Um, a uh, couple of brands, but the the main group is development, and they have done multiple low low to medium rise buildings, very very high spec and high finish. And I think that's a bit of a cliche in the industry. But where these guys are different is they you can literally go online, search their brand on the portals, and you can see the resale value of having an Ellington property versus another de property, uh, another brand property. I won't name any specific names now, but there's some big players in the Dubai market where you can buy a property off plan and it will not achieve the same resale value purely on the brand name alone. So community reputation and developer reputation is massive in Dubai. Um, so it's that's why it's even more so important to pick out the, uh, the special developers that can offer you that quality product. But I think that's enough on that for now. Yeah, no, great. Well, let's head on into these questions. Um, Nick, you'll you'll take the first one. Uh, go on, far away. You ask it, and I'll answer. Cool. Right. First question. Then let's go with: How can I protect my investment in case developers experience difficulties? Okay. Um, well, I think this is obviously in reference to an off-plan purchase. So buying a property during the construction period now uh the way the question is worded in terms of how can i protect my investment i don't think there's any action that you someone could proactively take to protect their deposit or to protect their funds it's more about being selective over where you invest in the first place um so i don't believe there are any insurance products out there you can go and buy you know for example but what you can do is make sure you're investing with the right developers into the right schemes now there's different levels of protection that you're going to see. Um, and obviously, this is going to be in reference to the deposit level that the actual developer is asking for as well. So you can invest in you know, a lot of the higher profile developers in, in the UK, uh, particularly in the Southeast region. And we're starting to see it across the likes of Manchester and um, Liverpool as well uh, with a 10% deposit. 
So that deposit will be fully protected through the new build warranty uh, by an independent uh, firm. So you know you can go in there uh, and you've got a third-party insurance product effectively hold, or sorry, um, protecting that initial 10%. So you can have full peace of mind that that 10% is protected. Now, uh, what some developers do, uh, and one quite high-profile one in the Northwest region that we work with do, is they take out a further dedicated protection bond on that product um, so they might give you a charge over the, over the land or the site um, and then that will mean that if there's ever any issues and they have to sell the site you've got a charge there so you can be confident in getting some of the capital if not all of the capital back because you've taken out that uh, or you've got that extra layer of protection so even if the developer is asking for you know a 25 30 percent deposit if they've given you that extra um, protection product uh, that's in addition to the initial 10% that's protected as well. So you can have uh, some confidence knowing that there's a, a little bit of extra reassurance for you. And just lastly, the other thing about other thing to think about, uh, I mean, we're not going to go into a full due diligence um, uh, presentation now, but um, you've got to remember when you're handing over your deposit, what's actually happening with those funds? Is it going all straight to the developer? Is it being held with this solicitor's account and being uh, drip fed to the developer in line with construction timeframes, i.e. when the site reaches certain values, the developer can then withdraw that capital. Um, so there's different things to consider. Uh, that's obviously on the UK side. Uh, on the Dubai side, it's a, it's a little bit more um, regulated here. Um, i.e. developers can only start building if they've got either 50% of the construction costs or they have um, built half the site. Um, so it's a, a bit more of a less um, uh, construction risk. So I'd say those initial points would be the main ones to think about when you're buying off plan in the UK market and how to make it as safe as possible. Oh, great, great thorough answer. Okay, well, fire away at me. Next question. Cool. Um, so, well, I'll ask it very, very briefly, but will my property I purchase look like the brochure or the computer generated images? In other words, if you're buying off plan, is your end product going to look exactly the same as how it is in the brochure? Good question. Um, in short, technically, yes. So uh, you you will find that your finished product will look like what's in the brochure. That's what it's there to do. The caveat to that is what you have to bear in mind, depending on what stage you're buying off plan, there may be some slight variations along the way. For example, maybe the kitchen that they first had designed and they had the idea for, uh, the company that manufactures that, maybe that changes or, or maybe they don't manufacture that exact kitchen anymore. So they'll, they'll tend to stick to the same uh, sort of color schemes or the, t the same finish and they'll try and do like for like as best as possible. But in essence, um, yeah, the CGIs are there. Uh, they'll have mood boards. They'll, they'll all be designed professionally um, and they'll look to stick to that. Um, so yes, in short, it should do. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Um, so yeah, I mean, the only bit I'd add on there as well is that obviously in the in the uk market as a property sales agent you do have to be a member of an ombudsman scheme uh, or a redress scheme should i say um so that means that you do have to have some responsibility and accountability over what you're marketing and what you're effectively selling so it's not a case that agents can just go out there and significantly market and advertise something that's going to be of a material difference to the end product if it is then obviously that's grounds for mis-selling because you've ended up with something that 
ultimately wasn't advertised in terms of the actual specific legals you know um how much how different can it be etc etc uh, i wouldn't say there's anything specific in place um, but overall you can be confident that it's not going to be drastically different to what was originally promised if you're dealing with a reputable firm if that be a developer or a uh, an a- a agent yeah, that's a good point. And, and maybe that question is sort of, I, I tend to find if I've been asked a similar question, it's more where if they say the kitchen's going to be there, what's the chances of that being moved across the other side of the room, et cetera? Like um, that, that's that's not going to change. Uh, you have the floor plans, et cetera, they're laid out. So, um, and again, those those floor plans are, are submitted in planning permission, et cetera. So yeah, that, that sort of thing. Um, it's very highly unlikely without sort of prior permission anyway that they change. But no, um, actually a, a good, good, good question. And yeah, thanks for adding that part on, Nick. So next one that we have. Um, I live in Hong Kong and plan to buy a property for buy-to-let purpose. I have heard that there is a non-resident landlord application in the UK to have UK rental income without any deduction of UK tax. Does it apply to non-UK resident investors too? May I know the application procedure and how long it takes to have the application approved? Quite a long one there for you, mate. So um, I'm actually glad you got that and not me. Uh, (laughs) So, yeah, feel free to tackle that. Cool. Yeah, I mean that could be abbreviated, can't it? I mean, what what is a uh, a non resident landlord form and how does it work? Effectively, is is what's being asked. So, um, yeah, what what's being referred to there is an NRL one form, which, um, as the question addresses, is a non resident landlord application form. So, the question was worded is um, in the UK to have UK rental income without deduction of tax. Now, the only thing I'd say is. If you complete an NRL1 form and you submit it to HMRC, which is the process for doing so, it doesn't mean that you don't pay tax. What it means is that the the UK government or HMRC won't automatically deduct tax or they won't place the liability on the management agent to deduct tax um, at source. So it may be a case, depending on the level of income and obviously your tax profile, that you do still have to declare this income to HMRC and that would be via a self-assessment form uh, or online form uh, at the end of the financial year. So NRL1 form, if you are based outside the UK, you can register with HMRC, complete this form and you can receive your rental income without being taxed automatically by the managing agent. However, it doesn't mean that you don't pay tax altogether. It just means that you have your tax profile assessed during your self-assessment, which you do at the end of the year. Uh, in terms of the application procedure, uh, all online via HMRC website, if you just Google NRL1 form, it will be very, very easy to uh, to come across uh, and it'll be a very swift and efficient process to do online. But yeah, we'd encourage all non-resident investors to do so. Uh, I mean, part of the question as well, does it apply to non-UK resident investors too? I mean, fundamentally, the form is non-resident landlord application, so it purely applies to non-UK residents. But hopefully that wasn't too much waffle. Does that all make sense there, Toby? Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, to be fair, it was hard not to waffle on a long question like that anyway, so <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, it looks like that's actually come probably straight from an investor, so thanks. Uh, I think it was Tina that um, gave us that one. So yeah, I'm mm. sure that's come direct from one of our investors, but no, good. Very, very helpful. Uh, next question, fire away. Cool. So... 
what is help to invest? Um, I'll just quickly, um, before you dive in and get stuck into that one, quickly uh, preface that a bit. So uh, some of our investors may have seen a email from us recently um, advertising a new product that we're working with. So I won't give you the full-blown overview. I'll let Toby do that. But yeah, it effectively involves investors to be able to purchase property with a lot of a smaller deposit and it's branded as help to invest. So Toby, do you want to give us a, you know, not 20 minute, but a few minute presentation of, you know, what help to invest is and why it may be suitable for some of our listeners? Yeah, and I will actually keep this short because I think realistically we would need uh, we are well we are going to need a whole episode on this. So, mm. um, but I'm glad it's actually come up, and I'm not surprised because since we sent that that email out uh, to to our uh, investors and our clients, um, we've had a massive massive response, and obviously rightly so. Um, it's a very enticing product, but. I think the, the best way in short for me to to explain it, and I will elaborate just in case nobody knows this comparison, is it is pretty much um, a similar product as Help to Buy, which was a government-backed scheme, which um, I'm hoping listeners will know. If not, just Google Help to Buy. It was a gov- That was a government-backed scheme to help uh, purchasers first-time buyers, normal purchasers to buy properties um, using smaller deposit levels to enable them to get on the ladder, move up the ladder or get a home sort of big enough suitable for them um, and that was that was a product where you where the buyer uh, would put in five percent and the government would top up uh, the deposit by up to 20 percent meaning a larger deposit so buyers could buy a property or buy a, a bigger property uh, because obviously they had to put less capital in um, in essence this help to invest product is the same as that but for investment and investors so what it is there are pre-approved properties which the help to vest scheme has and provides um, similar again Going back to the help to buy scheme, what you have to remember, that was only available in new build properties. Reason for it, it was safer and secure um, for the government to do so. Similar to this. So there are pre-approved um, developments and properties that this is available on. And that's because the due diligence has been done to make sure that the the 20% funding that's going into the property um, is as low risk as possible, which is a great thing because it means due diligence has been done on the investor's part already. So the investor just puts 5% in. Um, There is a product fee, um, but in essence, 5%. And then the joint venture partner is what they're classed as, uh, which is the the funder putting the extra 20% in, puts in, as I said, 20%, meaning there is a full 25% deposit and the remaining 75% can then be um, used and topped up using a mortgage so then you have the 400% to buy the property so this is very exciting one because it's exclusive this is brand new new to the market and track capital are launching it Um, and it's also exciting for a couple of reasons one it's going to enable people who are struggling to buy a property investments due to limited funds because we know it's very expensive um putting in a 5% deposit, even with the with the product fee. Um, and obviously, you have to cover stamp duty, the solicitors, like you usually would in a normal purchase and like you would in the help to buy scheme as well. Once you have all those fees in, it's significantly lower 
um, the amount that you're putting in in comparison to if you're going to buy a property yourself, which opens this up to a lot more investors who have struggled to get on the property investment ladder. That's not only a benefit because it helps them, but then that also hopefully will open up more investment properties and more rental properties to the market, which is needed as well, because we have a massive shortage in this country. And that's why uh, we're seeing rental prices on the uh, on the upward rise, because there's short supply. What this also does, it means if you've got a pot of cash and you want to make it go further, this can help you um, because you can buy more properties um, with, with those funds. Um, and the other factor uh, which is really exciting about this is because you're putting less money in and you get to keep 100% of the rental income, this massively boosts your return on investment because you're putting less in, but you're getting the same back out in rental income as you would if you were to invest in this property uh, with the full 25% yourself. So that is also something that is very, very exciting about this product. And just to finish on, as the investor, you have full control of the property. So you run it, you get the tenant in like you usually would a normal investment. You keep 100% of the rental income. You look after it. You do everything. Think of the uh, the funder with the 20% as a silent partner that doesn't do anything and, and, and won't do anything and doesn't have the power to. All they're entitled to is a 20% share of the profit. If you were to sell the property and there's capital growth there. So that's effectively how they make their their um, profit on this as a deal and why they're doing this. They're doing this because they are factoring in capital growth, which we see across the UK market. And when the property sold, that's what they'll profit on. But it's an 80-20 split on, um, on sale of the property, 80% in favor of the investor, which would be yourself, and 20% to the funder. That's it in a nutshell. Um, but yes, you have full control. You have 100% of the rental income uh, profit um, you keep and um, you sell it when you want, you run it how you want. And the only time that the funder um, it, it will be sort of looked at or acknowledged will be on sale of the property. They'll be getting their 20% share um, of that. Does that make sense, Nick? Have I done that sort of in a short way as possible? Yeah, it was uh, just about short enough, I think. Uh, there was obviously a lot for uh, people to take in in that bit. Um, so what I would say is to keep it very, very simple. If you have 5% in liquid cash available to invest of a average property value in the northwest of the UK, then get in touch with us, info at trackcapital.co.uk. As Toby said, we're working with a funding partner to give you the rest of the deposit. Okay, so if you have 5%, you want to buy a complete property in the northwest of the UK, email us info at trackcapital.co.uk and we will explain everything, provide you the full due diligence material, mortgages are used and solicitors of your choice are used as well. So it's a very, very exciting product. As Toby said, 100% exclusive to Track Capital. There's nothing in the market at the moment like it. So I'd encourage everyone to just have a look at the material. You know, you don't even necessarily have to have a full-blown consultation with us. Just email info at trackcapital.co.uk. Say you're interested and help to invest and we'll get the details sent over for you. Yeah, no, thanks for summing that up, Nick. Um, I knew it would be a hard one for me to do very quickly. But right, on to uh, this will be the, the last and final question. So what is an assignability clause? Okay, so it's sometimes referred to as um, are the contracts transferable, etc. Uh, when you purchase off plan, 
uh, exchange of contracts, you normally become, well, you do become the legal owner of the property. So in most cases, um, you'll have the opportunity to resell the pro- property at any time after that exchange of contracts. Now, in order to do so, your contracts, your legal documents will have to have a signability clause in there, or they'll have to be known as transferable. So in other words, it's a specific term or clause within a contract that states you have the power and the ability to resell the property any time after exchange of contracts. There are some developers out there that don't like um, you know, lots of properties being flipped. Uh, it can um, impact values, mortgages when you get closer to completion. Uh, it messes up marketing a little bit if they've still got sales to go through. Um, so there are some developers that restrict it out there. So if you are buying a property, we would encourage all of our investors to have a look and make sure that they can sell the property after exchange of contracts. So in other words, check there's an assignability clause or that the contracts are re- transferable in general within your legal documentation. Does that cover that off? Yeah, I think that's perfect. Very, very good. I won't, won't add anything on there because I think you summed that up great. Um, yeah, I think that that's all the questions we have got this week. Uh, and again, we, we hope this has been uh, another episode that's sort of informative and maybe answered some questions that you may have. Because um, again, that is the aim of this podcast. It's really sort of um, give give the listeners um, knowledge and, and advice um, without actually physically having a, a phone conversation. But likewise, um, if you do need um, just to talk and we always say this to our, our investors like look yes call us or, or inquire or respond with regards to specific developments that we're sending out if you have any questions or interested but we're also here for general questions I mean if you just want to find out look guys what's the property market or what's your thoughts on this we're always on hand to answer these questions for you so um, don't ever feel like um, you can't reach out um, just just send if you've got our personal emails if you've sort of corresponded with us before feel free if not um, yeah just hit us up at the email um, the general one info at trackcapital.co trackcapital.co.uk and we'll be more than happy to help with any questions you have at UK or Dubai market uh, we're here to sort of cover all angles for you perfect perfect yeah and hopefully some of those questions are of value so looking forward to uh, the next episode yeah thanks guys we'll see you next time bye-bye see you bye-bye